good to see you this morning. How many came to find something out that you didn't know before? You know, we're singing that song and it might mean something to some of you and some of you it might just be another song. But I hope by the time I'm done preaching this message, that song is going to mean more to you than it did when you just heard it. Because it needs to be personal this morning. Amen. Amen. So I want you to get your Bibles open this morning to the book of Exodus, if you would. And I want to uh, preach a message this morning, as you'll see on the screen. It's called the Scarlet Thread of Redemption. Amen. The Scarlet Thread of Redemption. So as you're getting your Bibles open, I want to remind you we're not going to be having service tonight. We're going to let everybody go be with their families today, and some are going to be traveling to go see their families out of town. Some are already out of town traveling to see their families. But I want to uh, thank you for a good year so far, and we're going to celebrate Jesus this morning. Amen? Amen. We're glad that you're here. We're glad you made it. We, like Pastor Andrew said, I pray that you make this your home and that you'll find a, a family here. That can help you in your walk with the Lord. The scarlet thread of redemption. As we get this started this morning. And I begin to read in a moment out of the book of Exodus chapter 12. I want to tell you that I've got some good news and some bad news this morning. How many know that when you hear that. You like to hear the what news first. Someone said good. I like to hear the bad first. Get it out the way. In with the good right. Which one do you want to hear this morning? I'm not really going to give you a choice, but I'm just asking. Amen? But I'll go ahead and do the bad news first. The bad news is this morning, and it's really bad, is that there is an infected disease in this place this morning where we're at. And you might say, well, why are we here? It's too late to get out. It's already happened. It's going to spread, and it's already spread. And it's not just in this place this morning. Y'all looking at me weird. Amen. Some of y'all are thinking, I'm close to the exit. I can still get out. Well, it's, the problem is, is it's been around for a lot longer than just today. And it's worse than AIDS. It's an epidemic. And it has spread beyond our church, beyond Denton, beyond Texas, beyond the United States, to the entire world. And it's called sin. Y'all feeling any better now, at least, that you know there's not some uh, viral disease going on in here? Well, guess what? It's worse. It's worse than a cold that could be passing through. It's worse than a bad flu season. It's worse than anything the hospitals could ever prepare for. Because this infection is eternal. And it's an infection of the blood. It's a disease that affects your future beyond this life. And it has spread to every single one of us. And it happens when we're born. And that, the consequences, the Bible says, of this disease is death. It's not just a sickness or a time in the hospital. It's death. And when we die, it's not that it ends there and we go, okay, that it killed me. That's actually when death begins. And eternal life begins. And we are all infected with that this morning. And that disease goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. God had a perfect plan. How many even know that this morning? He had a perfect plan. He had a perfect place. He never intended us to be in the pain we're in this morning. He never intended us to be going through the things we're going through this morning. He never wanted us to hurt. He never wanted us to struggle. 
He wanted it to be awesome. He wanted this place to be glorious and wonderful. He wanted families to dwell together. He didn't want there to be hatred. He didn't want there to be separation. He didn't want there to be sickness. But he said in the garden, he said, if you guys will just go out and habitate and enjoy what I've given you, you can do whatever you want, eat whatever you want, go wherever you want, but just don't touch this one tree. We know the story come along where there was rebellion even before the earth was created when Satan himself, the highest angel of all of heaven, rebelled against God. Now, I'm not going to ask you how many of you here this morning are rebellious. Because some might admit it, and some might, might not, and some might admit it proudfully, amen? But we are all rebellious. And some of us think, what's funny is when you ask that question, you might say, hey, how many in here are the rebellious? Some might say, well, I'm not. Well, that's funny because we all are, and even the angels are. And if we think that we don't have a spirit of rebellion in us, then we're fooling ourselves. Because like I said, the highest angel, the choir leader, the Bible says he was the most beautiful angel in all of heaven, rebelled against God. And when he did that, he took a third of the angels in heaven down with him. And they followed him. And today we're still living in that sin epidemic. And he said, I want to not only, you know, rebel against God, but because I have fallen, because I have messed things up for myself, and he has no hope, he's the only one that does have no hope, he said, I'm going to do what I can to kill God's creation. And he went into that garden as a snake and as a serpent. And he went and he fooled Adam and Eve. And they took that fruit and they ate of the tree they were not supposed to eat of. And from that moment, we have been cursed since then. And we are born into sin. And the great thing today is we can talk about the fact that all that has happened. And that is the bad news. And let me tell you what, don't look at it for time, but Romans 5.12 says a verse that's so powerful. It says, therefore, just as one man, say one with me, one. sin through one man, sin entered the world. So this morning, the bad news I'm telling you came from one act of disobedience. And that one sin, the Bible says in Romans 5.12, it brought death through that sin. And that death, it says, spread to all men who say all with me. So make sure you understand that you're included. Because all sinned. So because of what Adam and Eve did, and I won't say who, we won't go in this morning to who's, who's to blame there, amen? Because there's all kinds of things there, right? But because of that, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All have sinned. Every single one of us. So we stand here or sit here this morning infected with a disease. You might say, well, I wasn't there. It's not my fault. But the, the, the bad news is, is you've got it and you're infected. And the Bible says this book that's been around for thousands of years that I believe is God's manual for us this morning. It says in this book that because of that sin, sin has spread. Now, how many know that some people can be sick and say, I'm not sick, I'm fine. But that sickness is going to kill them. You could be here this morning. You can deny that that sin is in your life. You can deny that the bloodline is in you. You can deny it all you want. But guess what? you're going to one day find out that the Bible is true. And I choose to this morning to realize, okay, if there's some bad news, amen, then there's got to be a cure. I hope. We know that there really is no cure for AIDS. They've gotten a lot of medicine to kind of hold it off. But there is a cure this morning. And one more thing that the Bible says on the bad news. Let me finish up with the bad news. It says in Romans 6.23 that the wages of sin or the consequences of our sin is death. 
That means because of that sin, we must die. We must go to death cursed. Now, I didn't write it, so don't get mad at me. Amen? And you didn't write it either. But the bottom line is, he says, the wages of sin is death. So that's the bad news. The good news is, one of the things I like to say for sure is, that the bad news is wrong. Amen? And the reason is, is because in that same chapter of Romans 5, verse 18, he says, but... Because, remember, one man's sin brought sin into the world. It says, as one man's offense, because of that, judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. Even through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in, listen to this, justification of life. Amen? That's the good news this morning. Is that one man sinned and messed up and brought sin into our lives. And another man, the man, God, the Father, amen. God the Son and God the Holy Spirit had a plan. And his act of obedience came down and gave us justification of life. Can anybody be thankful for that this morning? Can anybody say praise God for that this morning? Amen. How many are thankful this morning that he did that? What I want to show you this morning is through an illustration of how God did that. Because how many know if that sin line that started in Genesis happened and came to us today, there has to be something that erased that and brought us salvation today. Amen? And that is the scarlet thread of redemption. So go back to Genesis with me for a second. Don't read it. Just go back with me. Stay in Exodus. And go back to that moment when Adam and Eve messed up. And I want to show you some things this morning. Some of y'all have heard this. Some of you will say this is new. Some of you will be surprised. But I want to show you something that happened that God began to do. This book is so amazing, so powerful. And what happens is sometimes we hear it or read it or read a verse and we go, man, I don't understand that. we got to get the whole picture. How many know if you went to a hospital right now and you didn't study to be a doctor and they started talking medical terms to you, you'd look at them like a cow stares at a new gate. You would not understand what they're saying. But if they told you that they had a way for you to be healed, how many know you wouldn't need to understand everything, but you would hear the the end result was that I can be healed. And you'd do whatever they said. You might not understand the whole Bible, but by the time this message is over, you're going to understand God's plan of redemption. And it's going to be very simple. Amen? And in that book of Genesis... We saw Adam and Eve sin, and the Bible says that once they sinned, they realized that they were naked. When they had sinned, they all of a sudden had been naked. Now, I'm kind of thankful today that that, that this part happened, amen? So we're not walking around naked. But they had been naked, and all of a sudden they sinned, and they realized they were naked. And they hid themselves. And the Bible says that Eve began to sow somehow and got some fig leaves together. And they covered themselves up. And then, and then God begins to walk through the garden and say, hey, where y'all at? Like you didn't know. We know he knew. Yeah. And they, we're over here, God. We're hiding. They're hiding themselves. They're hiding their nakedness. God does the first act of sacrifice. Kills an animal. Watch this. And clothes them with the skin of the animal. To cover their sin. It's the first act of God's sacrifice. He he sacrifices an animal. He clothes them in skin of an animal. Blood flows. And it begins the scarlet redemption. Scarlet thread of redemption in the Bible. They're now clothed with God. 
Okay, he makes a sacrifice. Now go with me to Exodus chapter 12. And I want to start, there are three things I want to show you this morning. The number one is going to be the Passover promise. The Passover promise. How many have heard the word Passover before? You might have heard the name, may not even know what it means, but you're going to by the time this is over. Let's look real quickly at Exodus chapter 12. If you have a Bible, look at it. If someone around you has got one, share with them. And uh, again, look at, look at somebody next to you and say, relax. Dude, the good news is coming. Amen. Verse 1. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him take his neighbor next to his house, and according to each man's needs, you shall make your count for the lamb. Your lamb shall be without blemish. A male of the first year, you may take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now, you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Look at me just for one second. You need to understand that the Israelites at this moment, before what we're going to read right now, are were where we are today. They were slaves to Egypt. They had been in slavery for 430 years. And they had been under the hand of Pharaoh. And they had been to where God, Pharaoh had seen God's people prosper. And they had actually started with 70 people. And when they started with those 70 Israelites, they began to multiply and grow and became millions and, and Pharaoh, was, Pharaoh was seeing the, hand, seeing the hand of God upon these people. How many know that the devil hates to see God's people prosper? He hates it. Not only does he want to see you go to hell with them, he hates it when you prosper. When you serve God, when you are happy, when you're joyful, when you're peaceful. And so they're in slavery, they're bound, they're under the hand of Pharaoh. And they say, God, we need a savior. We need somebody to rescue us from this. And they pray, and God raises up Moses. He raises up the man of God to lead them. And I want to tell you something. How many have ever felt inadequate in this place this morning? Do I have anybody who ever, has ever felt like I'm not worthy? Well, guess what? You're in, good, you're in good hands this morning and in a good place in God because God chooses people who don't have talent. He chose Moses, and the man couldn't even talk. He stuttered. He couldn't do a speech. He's supposed to lead these people. He can't talk. Had all kinds of excuses. We won't get past, we'll get past all that this morning. But hey, he got used. Finally said, yes, I'll be, I'll be available. And he says yes. And, and God begins to use him to talk to Pharaoh. And you know the story. Nine plagues come down on him. On the land of Egypt. God is trying to soften Pharaoh's heart. Trying to get them to let his people go. And all these plagues are coming down on him. And finally we come to the tenth one. And the tenth one begins to be symbolic of today. There has to be some shed blood. Some blood has to be shed again. Just like the blood that was shed for the animal in the beginning that covered them. They needed something to happen. God said, I need something to happen so that these people can be free. It's his plan. And he begins to show through this that he says, I'm going to send the death angel. I'm going to send the death angel to Egypt. And when I send that death angel, it's going to come through the city. 
And when I send it, it is going to kill the firstborn male of every household. Well, I don't like that this morning. That don't sound like a very good story. Well, guess what? Too bad. Amen. Have you, ever, have you figured that out yet that be, whether you like God's plan or not, it's still his plan? Do I have any people who were kids here? Okay, kids. You were kids? Okay. I, you thought I said R, huh? I hope we were all kids at one time. Amen? Some of us still are. Amen? We're just grown-up kids. When you were kids, did you always like everything your parents did? Did that change things? Did they stop being your parents? Nope. Guess what? God can do whatever he wants. The quicker you understand that God is God and you're not, the quicker you're going to have a great life in God. Okay? You're, you're not God. I'm not God. God is God. Amen. So we're back here again. Let's read right here. So he says in verse 7, And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it, killing this sacrificial lamb. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs they shall eat it. Do not eat it raw nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head, its legs, and its entrails. You shall not let any of it remain till morning, and what remains of it you shall burn with fire. And then you shall eat it with a belt on your waist, sandals on your feet, staff in your hand. So shall you eat it in haste. Watch this. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land, watch this, of Egypt on that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods, that's little gods, of Egypt. I will execute judgment. Watch this. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial. You shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast, as an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leavened bread from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day into the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. Now I want you to look over at this door for a second. Donnie's going to help me and we're going to see a visual. That represents your house. Today, this represented their house back in the land of Egypt. They, God said, I'm going to send through the land, the death angel. And he said, I want you to kill that perfect lamb that today represents Jesus in the Old Testament. He said, I want you to raise up that perfect lamb without blemish. And I want you to kill it. And I want you to sacrifice it. And I want you to take that blood of that lamb. And I want you to put it on the doorpost. And just like that, they took the blood, they began to put it on their doorpost, on the side, on the top. Go ahead. And they, and they wiped it on there so that when that death angel came through, that death angel would see the blood. And this is symbolic this morning of that blood that was shed on the cross of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says that when that death angel came through, whatever house he came to, that he saw the blood, watch this, he passed over that house. And he would not kill the firstborn in that house. Now, as he's putting that blood on this morning, and we're seeing that visual of the blood on the household, we need to understand this this morning. I'm trying to get you to understand. We cannot negotiate with God. You cannot negotiate with God. Well, you can, but you'll lose. Yes. 
How many understand that this morning? God is not a God that you're ever going to defeat. And so you couldn't be that person that says, well, when the death angel comes through, I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to say, hey, we were a little busy. We couldn't find the lamb. Uh, we we didn't, couldn't afford the lamb, whatever. I mean, you can do all. How many know we have a lot of excuses for serving God? But the bottom line is, is when God speaks and says he's going to do something, let me tell you something. He's going to do what he says he's going to do. And he said that night, I'm going to come through the land. I'm going to. And thank God. Here's the great thing about God. He always gives us a chance. He always gives us a warning. Amen. He's a God of redemption. And we see right here as that blood came through and that blood was shed and placed on that doorpost. That angel came through and passed over their house. And this started. What I want to show you this morning is the scarlet thread of redemption. Amen. The blood of Jesus started that scarlet thread that day. And as Donnie's putting that, re- that thread this morning up on that doorpost, we're going to see symbolically that that is the beginning of our salvation today. And there, there it begins. They tied that, that uh, symbolic thread of redemption on that doorpost. And right there began the thing that started with Genesis. The, the lamb that was killed so they could be covered was passed into Egypt through the Passover of the blood on the doorpost. And it begins to go out through all the Bible. We begin to see all these stories in the Bible. I've only chose a few this morning. And we begin to see how God has always had a plan of redemption. Amen. Amen. But what you're going to see throughout the Bible is the key is this, the blood. Say the blood. blood. Say it again. The blood. blood. Now some of you are going to say, why blood? I did. I asked that question. Why blood? That's gross. Well, it's a simple answer. The blood in your body is the lifeline, science says, of your body. It's the lifeline. And God chose the blood because it's not just something he thought was a pretty color or because he thought, you know, hey, this, let's just do this out of many things I could do. He understood as the creator that the blood is your lifeline. Science says that. I, I say that on science. Not, I'm not saying that. Science says, doctors say, The blood is the lifeline of your body. Now, before I move on to the next point, I want to just give you a quick fun fact. There's many that I could have used about the blood. Did you know that there is about 60,000 miles of veins going through your body? That's too much for us to even fathom. Some people say, I don't know if God's really creator. Did he really do that? Let me tell you something. When you begin to look at science and you begin to see some of the things that are in your body, you have to do, you have to be foolish. Let me just say that to not believe what God says he is. And that blood flows through your body from your heart begins to pump that blood through your body. And it goes through all those veins every 20 seconds. I mean, wish you could travel that fast. That's fast. Matter of fact, my mind can't even wrap it around that, okay? That's a lot of veins to go through. And Leviticus says this, if you're taking notes, 1711, the life, watch this, the life of our flesh is in the blood. The life of our flesh is in the blood, and the blood makes atonement for the soul. The blood makes atonement for the soul. This is the scarlet thread of redemption. Go to Joshua 2 with me real quick if you would. And we're going to read a story of the battle of Jericho. But before they had that battle, Joshua sends in some spies. 
into the city of Jericho. Jericho was a big city, and the whole city was a huge wall. And you could not get into that city unless you went through the wall. And it was a strong city. It could be a symbolic today of just that place, people, government, whatever, who thinks they're bigger and stronger and badder than God. How many know throughout history, if you're a history buck here, and I'm not, but if you knew a lot about history, I know this. All the great societies who thought they could defeat God or be better than God or be bigger than God or didn't need God have fallen. Amen? And Jericho was that type of city. And God says, I'm going to give you Jericho. I want you to go into that city and I want you to take it over. But he says, I'm going to send some spies in first and I want you to check it out. I want you to see if we can take that city. So some spies go in. That wall was very symbolic uh, at this place where, we're gonna re- where, where you would read. I'm actually not going to read the story for, ne- for today. I want you to read that later. But I'm going to paraphrase it. That this place where this lady lived was a place of, of a lot of traffic coming through that wall. Okay? And whatever was going on in the city, I'm not going to say that there was gossip. I'm not going to say that she was a busybody. But I'm telling you this. She had a bed and breakfast. And she spent more time in bed than she did in the breakfast. That's all I'm going to say, man. There's not too many kids in here, so y'all can know what I'm talking about, amen? She had a bed and breakfast. And there was a lot of traffic going through there, and people needed a place to sleep, amen? You know why I say that? Because the Bible says that Rahab was a prostitute. Now, this is going to really be some good news for you. Not because we have any prostitutes in here, amen, but because we're all prostitutes. I didn't get too many amens on that. Man, I went to this church this morning and the pastor called me a prostitute. We really are. Amen? We, we, we've all slept with this world. We're all intertwined with this world. We're all cursed. Amen? We're all down. We're all, the bad news is we're all sick. Just to remind you about the bad news again. But here's what's so amazing. People go, man, the Bible, I don't know. I don't know if it's real. You know what? Jerry Springer has nothing on the Bible. <laughs> nothing. You see these shows today and they blow you away. But man, in the Bible, there's a lot more going on than even Jerry Springer can make up. You know why? You know why God does this? Because he says, I, I'm in touch with humanity. I understand mistakes. I understand people. And he says, I'm going to take this Threat of redemption, because let me get ahead of myself just for a second. Jesus says these words. Sometimes you got to tell the end of the book before you get back to the beginning. Jesus said, I did not come to this world to heal the sick, to to heal the healthy. I came for the sick. I, I came for those that need a physician. And so on that note, he says, I need to make sure that I run this scarlet thread of redemption, not just through the good people. I need to make sure it reaches the lowest of the low. I need to make sure it reaches the sickest of the sick. I need to make sure that everybody can relate to this story. And so as they go into this city, they find this this place. The spies end up there not by accident, but by God's ordination. A lot of houses they could have gone to. Now, I promise you that the spies did not spend their time in the bed. Okay, they just ate the breakfast. All right. And when they were in the house, the Bible says that they began to talk. And this woman, 
This is where we all need to put ourselves this morning. She recognized salvation was in her house. So you need to recognize when God is knocking on your heart. When he's knocking on your door. No one said anything, but she sensed something. I believe this morning, some of you are going to sense in your spirit, man, I need a change. And, and she sensed something and she said to these spies, look, I, you know, I know who you are. And your God is a big God. And we've heard about you. And you're going to destroy this city. And, but when you come through, I want to ask you a favor. And she says, I, I need some salvation. So all of a sudden, the king finds out that the spies are in the house and they send someone after these spies. This woman runs up on a roof of her house and hides these men. And when the people come through, they say, hey, where are these guys at? We know there's some spies here. And she says, I, they've already left. They've gone out the gate. Maybe you can catch them. And she sends them off after them. She goes back up and she says, look, I know who you are and I know what you're going to do. I know that the death angel's coming. And I want salvation for my house. She says, when you guys come back to destroy this city, will you remember me? Will you have mercy on my house? Will you save my mom and dad? Will you save my brother and my sisters? Will you save my family? And she cries out to these spies. And these spies show us the next thread of redemption. If you look back at that window back there in the back of the church, if you just turn around real quick and look back, you'll see God did another miracle. He says, listen, the spy said, when we come back through, we are going to destroy this city just as you said. But when we come back through, we're going to make an oath with you. If you will put out a scarlet thread out of your window, we will know which house not to destroy. He says, you keep that thread outside that window. And when we come back through, we have an oath with you. Your blood for our blood, our heads for your heads. You make sure your family's in that house. You make sure your brothers and sisters in that house. And when we come through, we will destroy this city, but we will not destroy you. If, watch, if we see that scarlet thread hanging out of that window. That's what the Bible says. Just look one more time back at that window and look at that thread hanging out and picture God's plan of salvation. As you look over at this doorpost and picture God's plan of salvation. There's a scarlet thread of redemption running through. And the Bible says in that great story. You know, I'm thinking about this this morning as you're listening to me. How many might be today without raising your hand, without shaking your head, but inside you might be at the end of your rope. You heard that saying before. I'm at the end of my rope. I don't, you know what? I got really good news again. This end of that rope is a good place to be. Amen. Put that rope out. Put the end of your rope out and show it to God. And say, God, if you'll have mercy on me, if you'll save me, if you'll forgive me, I need salvation in my house today. I need a change. I need a miracle. Amen. And God, the Bible says, sent those, those men in. They marched around that city. The city was utterly destroyed. But God remembered in Joshua chapter 6. Joshua remembered as a symbol of Jesus. He said, don't forget to go get Rahab in her house. Don't forget. How many know God will not forget you? Amen. If you throw that thread out of your window, if you apply that blood on your doorpost, it's your representation of what you believe this morning. The Passover will go, the angel will go over, your, your life can be destroyed all around you, but God will protect you because there's a scarlet thread of redemption flowing through your life this morning that will keep you safe. Can you say amen? amen? God has provided. Say God will provide. 
As I think this morning about another story, I think about Abraham. Some of you this morning, even during this message, have said, why? In your lives, you've said, why? You've had questions, why? How many in your life, have, even lately, have said, why? I don't think you can be a human being and not have said, why, to God. You know what? It's okay to say, why? It's okay to ask God questions. It's okay to not understand everything that's going on. But, you know, Abraham was another man in the Bible who had a lot of questions. He was a a mighty man of faith. The Bible says he was our spiritual father. And the Bible says that as he began to walk his walk, God gave him a promise. And God told Abraham, you are going to have the descendants that cannot be numbered by the stars in the heavens. I'm going to use you. And I'm going to use your offspring and I'm going to use your descendants. And he says, but God, say, but God, God. I don't have a son. Now, don't say that because that's not you. I don't have a son. And we begin to see this morning, God begins to, to wipe Abraham, put his name down. We begin to see as Donnie once again, so servicely here is dropping the thread of redemption through the congregation. It's another sign that that thread of redemption is now coming from Rahab's window. And it's heading somewhere that Abraham understood before Jesus ever came along. Because he says, hey, I'm going to give you a son. He didn't believe it. God did it. When he got that son, that son was born. His name was Isaac. And God says, I need to do one more thing. I need you to take that son. And I need you to take him up on a mountain and I need you to sacrifice him to me. I need you to take him up and I need you to give him back to me. And Abraham says, okay, God. And all the way to Mount Horeb, he's walking and he's carrying the, the, the sacrifice, the wood. He's carrying the things he needs to sacrifice his son. And he's probably asking many questions. But the biggest question he was asking is why? Why, God, have you given me my son? Why, God, have you given me these promises? And now you're asking me to sacrifice him. And as he's walking up there, and as he's doing these things, thank you, he's gets, he gets to the mount, and the son himself, Isaac, says, Father, where is the sacrifice? Where is it at? And here's the powerful words I want you to hear this morning. Abraham says, son, let me know you've got to speak by faith. God will provide. Say that with me. God will provide. You have got to get in your spirit this morning that God will provide. I don't know what you need. I, know, I don't know what you need financially, physically, maritally, family. I don't know what you need in there. But I know one thing you need for sure. I know one thing all of us need this morning is salvation. We need redemption. We need to be forgiven for our sins. And he asked these questions. Abraham says, God will provide. And that is a sign. And the Bible says that God provided out of the thicket. He provided the animal. But he didn't do that until Abraham had Isaac on the altar. Over the fire. Over the wood. And had lifted up the sword in his hand to kill his son in obedience. But God said it's not time yet. And God said there's something missing. Provided the lamb. 
And then all of a sudden, the, the plan of today comes along. That's never been an accident, but it's been the plan since Genesis. He says, I'm going to come down. And that thread has now ran from the Passover to Rahab's window over to the cross. And God said, I need to come down and I need to make this sacrifice once and for all. I need to give my life. This is the difference, church, between religions and truth. There is no other God in a small g in the history of the world who ever died for his people. Nobody ever did what God did. God said, I am going to come down. I'm going to leave my heavenly home and I'm going to provide the ultimate sacrifice. I'm going to lay down my life. And we see the third thing is the thread of redemption reaches the cross of Calvary. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrates His own love towards us in that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Not when we got good enough. Not when we had arrived at the place that He could help us. But in your worst sin, in the worst, darkest place of your life, you can stop this morning and think of some things. I've met many people over the years that say, I've done too much to be forgiven. God said, I died for you at your worst point. I didn't wait for you to come to the best point. I died for you at your very worst point, at your very worst sin. I died. God demonstrates his love towards us that in while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. If you're taking notes, here's a powerful thing to write down. There is no past. There is no present. And there is no future sin that is more powerful than the cross of Jesus Christ. Can you say amen? There is no past, there is no present, and there is no future sin that is greater than the cross of Calvary. Jesus died for your sins. Not only did he provide salvation and eternal life, he provided in this life peace, joy, healing. Amen. Things that we need today. I want to finish with one more thing on the scarlet thread of redemption. I want to ask Donnie to pass that thread to his wife, and from there I want you to pass it on, and I want it to begin to go down the aisle, all across the front, and I want everybody to grab this, and we're going to begin to just take this rope, continue to pay attention to me, and I want you to see that this scarlet thread of redemption did not stop at the cross. And it will not stop until God's plan of redemption is finished. And you are going to be a part of this this morning, and you, as you take it, And we'll see how far it goes. But as you take it, and as you get to that end down there, go back around the other and just continue to take it. Keep it to where there's enough slack that no one gets tied up. You can't leave after. Although this isn't the worst place to get tied up. If you want to be stuck, get stuck in church. I want you to go quickly as I close today to Isaiah 53. Y'all are going to get a workout today. You know what you're doing as you pass that thread? If everybody would grab it and touch it, it would help. As you pass that thing through, and everybody's touching it, and getting a chance to touch that thread, I want you to think about something in Isaiah 53. Listen to this verse. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows, 
acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. This is Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. All, watch this, all we like sheep have gone astray. And we have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him, not you, on him, the iniquity of us all. Amen? Amen? By his stripes we are healed. The chastisement of your peace. That peace, has anybody in here ever felt the peace that passes all understanding? Peace that you can't explain. Joy that comes in a time of storm. Happiness that comes when you say, how can I be happy? Fulfillment when you say, how can I be fulfilled? Because Jesus took that on him. He took the the cost and the price. He said, I have to come down. I have to give my life. And I pray for these last few minutes. As I, I, I'm sorry it didn't reach all throughout the crowd. But I, I pray that as you're touching it and you're holding it, that you would understand that that, yes, is just a rope. But it is symbolic of the scarlet thread of redemption that has ran throughout humanity. And since the book of Genesis all the way till today. And his plan has always been salvation. His plan has always been hope. His plan has always been healing. His plan has always been restoration. His plan has always been redemption. He said, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish, but would have everlasting life. And the greater thing than that is that God said in the next verse, God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Can you say amen? There is salvation in Jesus this morning. He is the scarlet thread of redemption. He is the only hope for this world. He's the only way we can make it, church. You say this morning, maybe, what do I have to do? Am I saved now because I've touched the scarlet thread? What do I have to do? To allow this redemption to come to my house. We see in the Bible. This is important. They had to do something. To be saved. It's an act of obedience. They had to put that blood on. And and there was no negotiating. If that blood was not on that doorpost. They found out the next day. God wasn't messing around. Pharaoh found out. As his firstborn was killed. There wasn't one firstborn in that place that did not have blood over the, pa- over the post, post that did not die. As Rahab found out, the plan of redemption, if you'll put out that thread, if you let me see it, 
I will not destroy your home. Today, God is asking us to do something. But the great thing for us is ours has already been paid. Our debt has already been taken care of. There's nothing physically you and I have to do. There are people around the world today. I remember in Costa Rica, and this is not just in that country, but many countries around the world, that people would go and do crazy things. They would walk from where they are in a a certain city of the country all the way to a certain temple or church in in the country, all the way so that they could feel the sufferings of Jesus. So they could feel like they had done what Jesus had done. Some have even been crucified on a cross, cut themselves, walked from the back of the church to the front on their knees. All kinds of physical things to feel the pain and suffering. There is no salvation in that. The Bible says that Jesus already did it. He already paid the price. And all those things that are symbolic on the cross, there's just a few, jealousy, greed, lust, lies, selfishness, unforgiveness, alcohol, drugs, all the things that have bound us up and caused us to be in sin are all on that cross. And Jesus died for every sin you've ever done, every sin you'll ever do, every sin that's ever been done in the history of humanity. He took it on that cross and he shed his blood for our forgiveness. So if you ask, what do I have to do this morning? I said, I'm glad you asked. You have to believe. The good news is this morning that there is redemption. And he says in John, watch these simple words as I close. John 11. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. He who or she who believes in me. He or she who believes in me, Jesus said. Though he may die, yet he shall live. Aren't those some powerful words today? Though you may die a physical death, when that physical death happens, and here's, here's, here's some more news, we're all going to die. That, there's death and taxes. You're going to die, you're going to pay your taxes. You're not going to get out of that? That's going to happen. Outside of Jesus returning before you die. But when that happens... Eternity begins. And the great plan of redemption, the scarlet thread of redemption, is that there's hope and that there's salvation this morning. As the musicians come, hopefully they can get out of their ties. Might want to walk around. I want to give you a quick last illustration this morning that I heard. It was powerful. How many remember the Hindenburg? At least if you went to history class, you did. Back in 1937, the Hindenburg was like a humongous blimp. Kind of an airship. It was 804 feet long. Football field's about 300, right? 100 yards, 3 feet, 300 yards, okay. It's like three football fields. That's pretty big. Had it on the ground, and there was about, they were getting ready to launch it. And they had, you know, had to blow up like a blimp. And they had about 100 men on the ground holding on to a rope to keep it on the ground. They're trying to maneuver it into its hangar. They don't know exactly what happened, but all of a sudden, this enormous airship 
flies into the air with a tremendous force. As soon as it starts shooting up, all these men are holding on to ropes. Some of the men quickly thought and let go. Another group of people waited till they're about 50 feet in the air. Realized they were hanging on, let go. Broken legs, broken ankles, falling all over the place. A few others panicked and instinctively tightened their grip. They kept going up with the balloon until soon they couldn't hang on anymore and many of them actually fell to their deaths. Soon the Hindenburg began to hover and drift with the breeze several hundred feet up. One man remained. The people on the ground wondered how long he could last. They chased the airship around that area for about three hours. And it eventually lost altitude until the man was able to let go near the ground and walk away unscathed. The stunned onlookers said, how did you hang on for so long? He said, once the blimp took off, I tightened my grip. Eventually I realized that I couldn't hold on forever. So I held on with one arm while I took my free arm and wrapped the remaining rope around my waist. Tied a basic knot. And for the last three hours, I was just hanging up there, trusting the rope and enjoying the view. What's the moral of this story? You could actually go many ways with it. Many. One of the ones I think about is, obviously, hanging on to the rope. Because once you realize, think about this, once they got up to a certain point, it was death or life. They should have hung on. Why would you let go when you're way up there? Hang on. But the biggest thing was that he finally realized things were out of his control and he had to trust. And hang on to the only thing he knew could save his life was that thread of rope. This morning there's a thread of rope in your hands and it is the only thing that can save your life. And if you'll trust in God this morning, he will carry you through all the way to the end of that road of redemption. Amen. And there is salvation in his name this morning. And I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning.